You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. As you know, I, I also want to acknowledge all this, you know, the surrogate moms, the foster moms, the sisters, the aunts who really come alongside our children, lovingly taking care of them, um, paying attention to them, giving them time and their presence. So I just want to honor those women who really come alongside this next generation. I really do want to celebrate you. So thank you. Um, this morning, <clears throat> this message is for anyone and everyone who know how meaningful it is to be seen and to be heard when you're going through difficult circumstances in your life. When you feel like you're alone, feel like there's no one who cares, it really is so meaningful to know that someone sees you, someone knows you, and hears you. About 30 years ago, I had the privilege to speak for the first time at Canby Four Square uh, for Mother's Day. And I was a young mother at that time. My children were about eight, six, and three years old. So they were young and I was busy with small children. At the same time, or the same year, uh, earlier in the year, I was invited to go to a women's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I went with several other women from this church. And so it was a national women's conference. And so in preparing to go, though, I was overcome with this uncharacteristically absurd fear and I just had so much fear. In the weeks leading up to this trip, I, was, I would say I was attacked by fear. And I kind of equated that fear to the fear of flying, uh, flying to Tulsa. And so I was filled with all these vain imaginations. Now, looking at me, if, you know, that time in my life, you would have never known I was so neurotic and crazy inside. And so I was keeping, keeping it all inside, but I was, having, I was filled with vain imaginations. And I kept imagining my demise. I imagined um, the, plane, the news reporters uh, reporting on this horrific plane accident. I imagined the officials coming to the house and talking to Ron and, and telling them about how this plane had gone down and I was in it. I imagined my weeping children. It was, it, as weird as that sounds, I know I'm not alone in some of these fears that we have in life. And I was looking for a way out. I was looking for a good excuse not to go. And this went on for days and weeks. And um, I thought, oh, if I could, maybe I'll get sick. Um, COVID would have been really handy at that time. <laughs> <laughs> One night, as I was laying awake again in my bed, and um, my mind was unharnessed, uh, the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me. He said, you are not afraid of aerodynamics. It has nothing to do with airplanes. You don't trust me with your kids. Ah, oh, the Holy Spirit, man, he hit the nail on the head. 
I, it resonated so soundly and, uh, and I had to immediately respond. I said, you're right, God. I don't trust you with my kids. And I meant it. This called me out. And I had to be honest with my faith. That faith, when we are honest with our faith or lack of faith, it leads us to confession and repentance. With that truth, I had to make a decision, though. I knew at that very moment I had to make a decision. Do I rely on my emotions or am I going to trust Jesus? Because we can either move towards our faith or we can move towards our fear, but we can't do both simultaneously. And so I knew I had to make a decision. I know I'm not the only person who has ever faced fears like this. You may be facing a fear right now that seems like it's overwhelming your heart and your mind. So the message that I had, so that was in February and I survived. And um, so the message, that, <laughs> the message that I have, and it was actually a fabulous time. The Lord did amazing things and obviously it made a huge impact on my life because he's brought me back to that over and over and over. And, uh, but 30 years ago, um, the theme or the title of my me message for Mother's Day was from fear to faithfulness. It wasn't fear to bravery. It wasn't even fear to indifference. It was fear to faithfulness in spite of being afraid. But I was, you know, I had to be honest. I had to face things in my life. I still was struggle, struggling to trust God, but I wasn't looking for a way out. That was the difference. And I've faced other things like this in my life, and you have too. I know that. You have, I've been overcome with fear for finances. I have been at times overcome with fear for relationships and um, different grief and hurt and sorrow in my life. From that encounter in the middle of the night, with Jesus, I had to make a decision, and I had to walk forward. So the morning of that early morning flight, the house was quiet with sleeping children, and I gathered, and I had fear in the depths of my heart. I had fear still, but I was moving forward. I gathered my things, and I said a silent goodbye to my children. And as, as I was heading out the door, I heard almost an audible voice of the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to take care of your kids whether you believe me or not. <laughs> you might as well believe it and receive the benefits of faith. Ah, <sighs> okay, okay, good Lord, what are the benefits of faith? You know, I'm going to the airport, so I, as soon as I found my seat on the flight, I opened my Bible and I said, okay, show me the benefits of faith. And I did the old finger in the air, pointed down to the scripture, opened my Bible, and I opened to Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Thank you, Jesus who forgives all my iniquities, 
who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Those are the benefits of faith. We're going to be in the book of Acts beginning next week, and we're going to see how the Holy Spirit works in our life, how he speaks in our life, how to invite the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. I try to, I'm not always successful, but I try to every day put my hands out and I say, Holy Spirit, you're invited to speak into my life. I give you permission. Correct me, lead me, give me wisdom. Show me what to do. You have my permission, Holy Spirit. The first point this morning is when we face challenges and what appear to be insurmountable things in our life, number one, we remember God's promises. In Psalm 138, too, I love this. It says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. What an endorsement of his promises, of his faithfulness. This morning, we're going to look at a lesser-known person in the Bible, a lesser-known woman in the Bible. Her name is Hagar. It's probably a story that is not told in Sunday school. I don't know. Um, it has some, some, you know, things to it that might be a little bit more PG, R rated. So the story begins with a couple, though, that we are very familiar with, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is a patriarch of our faith. He's a righteous man. The Bible says he's a righteous man a whole heart, with wholehearted commitment to God, a man of peace, compassionate, hospitable, and yet... Abraham and Sarah were mere mortals who made mistakes just like you and I. This couple seemed to have it all, though. I mean, they were blessed. They had wealth. I mean, we're talking like Elon Musk wealth. They were blessed, but they were barren. In Genesis, it says that Abraham said this to God, Oh, sovereign Lord, how, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son. Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in your household, will inherit all my wealth. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, how many times have I forfeited all the blessings that God wants to give me when I'm just looking at what I don't have? Abraham and Sarah were given a promise. Because in the next verse over, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Abraham, No, your servant will not be your heir. And Eliezer, Eliezer said, Dang, that was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. But you know what? Even with God's promises, we falter. We doubt. And, you know, honestly, 10 years went by since that promise. And granted, 
it would give me reason to be impatient. It would be, you know, doubting. They're only getting older, Abraham and Sarah. So for Abraham and Sarah, it wasn't happening soon enough. It wasn't happening the way they expected it to happen. And I think we find ourselves in those same situations when we've asked the Lord and the Lord has spoken something to us. So Sarah stepped in, and I can relate to this. She stepped in to solve her own problem, although I haven't done it the way Sarah did. She, she told Abraham, she said, Abraham, I want you to sleep with my servant, Hagar. And Abraham said, okay. Now, that, <laughs> that's a whole diff different message. So, <laughs> but I, I want to say this. God didn't endorse, condone, or originate slavery. This was something that had become accepted in the culture. And listen to this. And God worked within and in spite of that corrupt human nature. And he still does. You look around and you think about all that's going around in our world, everything that's going on in our community, in our schools, in everywhere you look. God works within and in spite of that corrupt human nature. So whenever we go ahead of the Lord, as Sarah did, um, and try to fix our own problems, more often than not, it causes more problems. So Hagar gets pregnant. Um, now there's contention between Sarah and Hagar. Surprise, surprise. Um, Sarah blames Abraham of course, and, and Hagar cannot take it any longer, and she runs away. So Hagar is put in a situation, though, that ha she had no control over. She felt used, and she felt abused. She felt disrespected. She, f she was desperate, and she's running away, and she runs into the desert. And regardless of what we're facing, whether we have created our own problems or someone else has caused a problem in our life. If we listen, God speaks to us. And the Lord spoke to Hagar the same words he speaks to us. Hagar, I see you. I see your hurt. I see your anxiousness. I see your brokenness, your desperation. I see your location your condition, your need. I see you. God asked her, where are you going? And Hagar replied, I'm running away from my mistress. And God said something to Hagar. He said, Hagar, go back. Go back. You will have a son, and his name will be Ishmael, which means God will hear. And I will give you more descendants than you can count. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. El Rohi. He is a God who sees us. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Our God sees us and he hears us. Remember God's promises. His promises are backed by all the honor of his name. God told Hagar, go back. Didn't make sense to her. 
which leads to point number two. When we face challenges and face things that appear to be insurmountable in our life, rely on God's plan. For Hagar, it was probably not what she wanted to hear. I don't like Sarah. Sarah despises me. She makes my life a living hell. I don't want to do that. God says, I hear you. I see you. He did not give Hagar an explanation. He gave her a directive. Go back. Just recently, I was wrestling with how I should handle a situation with a grandchild. I had been praying and asking the Lord specifically for his move in this child's life. <clears throat> As I was thinking through the day and the encounters I would have that day with this child's parents, I asked, what should I say, Lord? Um, how should I approach this? I mean, God forbid I'd want to be a meddling mother and mother-in-law. And... <laughs> And, um, but my heart was really wanting to see God move. And the Holy Spirit, again, he spoke very clear to, clearly to my heart and said, stay out of it. Let me do the work. Of course, I asked, what do you mean by staying out of it? <laughs> I mean, keep your mouth closed. <laughs> So the question is, will I rely on God's plan? <laughs> the Lord clearly hears me. He sees me. He clearly sees and knows the situations we face. Will I be faithful to trust his plan? I know that God's plan is good, and I know that it's full of hope. We can be perplexed, but we don't have to give in to despair. We can be confused but that confusion doesn't have to create a sense of defeat in us. The verse that we all love, there's a promise and a plan in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. <clears throat> okay, I want to go back. So 30 years ago when I was confronted with my fear, I had to stop looking for a way out and rely on God's plan. In James, it says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. You know, if you've ever driven on the back roads out here in Clackamas County, Marion County, and it's dark, it's late, and there are no street lights, you can only see 15 or 20 feet ahead of you. And because you can only see 15 or 20 feet ahead of you, it doesn't mean you stop because you don't know what's beyond. You keep going forward because as you go forward, you see more. And that's the same that's true with God. You just keep going forward with faith. And we might as well believe it and receive and enjoy the benefits of faith. Remember his promises, rely on his plan. And when we face challenges that appear to be insurmountable things in our life, point number three, we recognize God's provision. <clears throat> Let's go back to Hagar's story. Hagar returns, and after some time, Sarah does give birth to Isaac. In Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. 
Sarah had her son. And as time went by, Sarah saw Ishmael, who's now a teenager and Isaac's younger boy. And Isaac was making fun, or Ishmael was making fun of Isaac. We, we know that's not going to work. We know that how that's going to go down. Nobody makes fun of our children. Sarah then goes to Abraham and demands that she, he gets rid of Hagar and Ishmael. It says in Genesis, so she turned to Abraham and demanded to get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. So Hagar and Ishmael are sent out into the wilderness. It's really a death sentence. They are wandering, wandering aimlessly. Remember, God works within and in spite of our corrupt human nature. Hagar, Hagar runs out of water, and she runs out of hope. So she, they are thirsty. They are destitute. She has Ishmael sit under a tree because she can't take watching her son die. She goes about 100 yards away, and she sits down, and she cries. She bursts into tears. She's calling out to God, and God who hears and the God who sees, El Rohi, speaks to Hagar and says, I hear you. I see you. Genesis 21, 19 and 20 says, Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She fixed quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skilled archer. <clears throat> when we face what we see to be impossible circumstances, we serve a God who hears us, who sees us. Hagar came from Egypt. She was raised in Egypt. And she was going back to Egypt, a land that had lots of gods, small g, all of wood and stone, had eyes, had ears, but not one of them could see her or hear her. This was her first experience with the living God. God provides. The day I asked the Lord about my grandchild and what he provided to me, and I say this with all sincerity because I know that I could not manufacture this in my life. I've had situations that cause anxiety and fear and doubt many times. And when the Lord deposits peace in my heart, he has just provided for me. God shows up and he hears us and he responds. And when we respond, to him with obedience. He deposits peace, and you know God provided it because there's no way you could get that on your own. Philippians says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs with glorious riches, which have, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And lastly, <clears throat> when we are faced, when we face challenges and we appear to be in insurmountable circumstances in our life. We remember his promises. We rely on his plan. We recognize his provision. 
and I can rest in his presence. In John 15, I love this chapter of John. It talks, Jesus tells us through this metaphor of the vineyard about how absolutely vital it is to stay close to him. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Remain in me. There's a great law of nature here between the vine and the branch. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Whatever flows into the vine automatically flows to the branches. If the branch is connected, if there's a good connection, whatever exists in the vine will naturally flow to the branch, and the branch will naturally produce fruit. So if I pursue God and I connect with him, he's there. He's here for me. And he's with me. If we abide, stay close, pursue him, we will have everything we need to overcome those obstacles in our life. We abide. We get into his word. We recognize his voice. His word then shows us his will for me personally. And then we know his way for me. The scars of life and all the things that Hagar couldn't understand, she could still find peace, peace in the midst of chaos because of God's presence. In his presence, I find peace. In his presence, I find perspective that overshadow questions. In his presence, I have power to overcome the pressures, expectations, and responsibilities that life throw, throws at us. Just for a second, as I end this morning, I want to go forward in Genesis to another story, and it's a story about Joseph. And many of you uh, recognize Joseph. He's the guy with the coat of many colors. He's the young man who had a dream. He was a dreamer, and Joseph's brothers didn't like him. And they didn't like him so much so that they were going to kill him. So he went out to his brothers one day thinking that they were going to be happy to see him. And they threw him into a pit and they were going to kill him. But just at that time, a band of nomads came and decided they decided to sell Joseph to these desert nomads. The brothers tell their father they go back and they have his coat of many colors and they had killed an animal and put blood on it and told him that Joseph had died and the animal had killed him. So Joseph is taken to Egypt and he is sold. And he went through a lot of different things. And read the story, it's amazing. But there was a promise, there was a plan, there was provision, and there was God's presence on Joseph's life. He became, long story short, the second in command over all of Egypt, only second to Pharaoh. And in that time, the nation was having, uh, experiencing a famine, and Joseph, through God's anointing on his life, was able to have a plan to save the nation and his own family. Now his family, his father, his brothers, figured he was long gone, and when they came looking to survive, to get food, Joseph was able to get them what they needed. 
and it preserved the lineage of Joseph. Joseph's family was facing certain death. So Joseph is the direct descendant of Isaac. Isaac is Sarah and Abraham's son. Joseph saves his family lineage. Do you know who came from the line of Joseph? Jesus Christ. That band of nomads that came across Joseph in the desert when he was going to be killed, they were Ishmaelites, the direct descendants of Ishmael, Joseph, uh, Isaac's half-brother. Hagar had no idea that her son and his descendants would play a part in the destiny of our Savior. She had no idea that God would redeem her pain and that he would take something that did not make sense and he would somehow use it for his glory. We don't have an explanation, but we have a directive at times and we can choose to walk forward in faith. Last word, mamas, God hears you. God sees you. Whatever you're facing, whatever heartache, whatever fear, whatever disappointment, frustration, whatever fatigue you're facing, God hears you and he sees you. El Rohi. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. You are a God who sees us. You are a God who hears us. You take what looks like, oh, what is going to happen here? And then you do something that is miraculous. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray a blessing over this room today. Lord, that everyone here would just have that assurance that they're seen and that they're heard. We thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In your precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.